Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers, leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this Deep Sales, and LinkedIn has built the first Deep Sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Oh, Nancy Pelosi goes and buys 1.25 million in call options on Palo Alto Networks. Can't. And this was also a trade that took place while Congress was in session. And then all of a sudden... But her husband did it. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry. It was arm's length. Her husband did it. But obviously, when you got people like that, whether it's Trump tweeting with his level of influence, now people notoriously follow Nancy Pelosi for her quote-unquote potential insider trading insights and some of the stances she's taking. So now all of a sudden, there's this influence around the moves that she makes and the Nancy Pelosi stock tracker. So those are things that you can't account for. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's Money Moves. As always, your host, Matty A, co-host, Mr. Ryan Breedwell. We've got some great market updates Howdy for you all. guys. Some news, current events, political. If you were here, we have some Maximian nuts. We got some pistachios. Oh, yeah. We got alcohol all over the shelves. I like actually... That. You like that? You clean... Oh, you put it down there. I was going to say, why? You cleaned yeah, it out like, a lot. Because I put the Empire Mark bottle. Uh, I do. See the SF hacks. RIP to my boys. Yeah. See you next season. We, we got all kinds of great stuff for you guys today. First and foremost, how was your trip to Nashi? How was Nashi? Oh, it was great. I was busy the whole entire time. So sorry for any of my friends, clients that I didn't get to reach out to in that area. Just didn't have time to do it. What were you guys um, going out there? We had a lot of meetings. Man, AI integrating into practices. We had double line investments come out. And spoke about the kind of the macroeconomic picture that was very good, very much in line with. I wouldn't say any insights beyond some of what we've already been discussing. Rate cuts likely coming in June, and economy super strong, stronger I, I than was, even anybody, even the bulls did not anticipate, myself was, included, the economy being as strong as it was. I straight up told Matt, "Hey, January was good. Likely February we'll get some profit taking. Markets up, up month uh, this month and." Led by, with the catalyst of NVIDIA, like we were talking about. But essentially, Double Line was saying inflationary numbers that are real, meaning current, are all well below 2%. Rate cuts are coming. Looks like that we're going to have a really good rally in the bond market. 
as far as for cuts, that'll help drive the uh, face value of bonds up. So bondholders will be rewarded very handsomely. Equity, domestic still looks like the best play over international. Energy looks like to be the lag. Financials are catching up. Kind of the stuff that I've been saying for the past three months to you guys with a little bit more spice on it. Was there any talk around what this election year might do they did to the not, market or no. anything macro? Nope. They're not as brave as us. They don't talk politics. Zero. Zero, zero, zero. We all joked with it. Are Trust they, me, there was they, lots of jokes. Are they afraid to get canceled or what? Why, no, why they just don't. They have $170 billion in their management. They're just fair and they don't... They get money from all sorts of people. So they just take a neutral stance. Makes sense. I'm sure they have their political views, but they keep them personal. So Brad Paisley was cool. I got to see him live. Did they have the Morgan Wallen's bar open yet? Yep, went to it. How was it? It was okay. I liked all the fun. I like the old bars, like the hole in the walls or the Yeah, Robinson's. I went to Robinson's, got a, a recession special, which for all the people that don't know what a recession special is, it's a godsend. White bread, tomato, lettuce, fried bologna, bag of Lay's original, yep. moon pie, twelve ounce PBR, PBR. six dollars. And if you're a boss, Six you'll throw in a dollars. shot of whiskey with it too. I didn't throw in a shot of whiskey because I, I was, was going all over. Tootsie's was good. There's good bars out there. Not that I was going bar hopping all night or anything. We went for one day just to check it out. But it was really fun. All the country star bars are super big and they get super crowded. By, it looks like mostly a younger crowd. And then the rooftop bars are mostly where the older folks go and sit up and chill all day. So it was really fun. Um, but... Broadway is like a cleaner, safer 6th Street. 6th Street's pretty safe. Yeah, but there's just more fights, more bums. More, there's more bums than the little side streets. More dirty, grimy. You man. just... I love... Don't get me wrong. I love 6th Street. I'll get down on 6th Street, but... I will too. But Broadway is like your... I've had to use my scooter like a missile a couple times. What does that mean? I did a homie and I ain't talking about a friend. <laughs> you just ran him over? I didn't run him over. They were like... They were chasing you? Uh, one of them was chasing us. <laughs> Jeez. So I just turned around and I gave him the old bird, zipped it off into it like a little missile, and I just kept going. Good for you. But the fun part about Nashville overall was it was cheap. It was really cold. People were super nice. Yeah. The people are They're very great people. I, I could not be there for more than five days, though. The food was too good. I would too just... Too fried, too heavy. And there's... Could you live in Tennessee? I know a lot of I don't people. know. I we have mutual friends that have moved out of California to Tennessee. I don't know. Um, probably. I just need to see more of Nashville. East Nashville I've been into, and it's a lot different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more like North Austin-y. It's yeah. a little more, I don't know if it's gentrified, but it's like more like calm down, not more so much party. But I like it a lot. I think it's developing. It looks like there's a ton of money going in there. There was so much construction. Yeah. It was the most construction I've ever seen in a major city. I thought uh, Dallas and San Antonio was quite a bit. But there was... We walked one day, me and my dad, and we were counting 13, just straight ahead of us, 13 major cranes. And then we looked to the left, three or four more. Look behind you, two or three more. They have a lot of industry going in there. It's a good sign. It's a strong and... It's beyond an emerging market now. It's an established market, but with yeah. lots of runway still in front of it. <clears throat> I think from investing on real estate side, I love that market. And obviously, red policy is always good if you're an investor or landlord. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amen. So we saw some movement in the market this week 
Oh, yeah. And last week. Oh, man, it was great. What were the catalysts and... One catalyst. And? Not and. In video. (laughs) That was the catalyst for the whole market movement. They had a market cap of over $2 trillion at one point. They still do, I think. They right still now. do? Yeah. Um, I know there's been some profit taking. I think some hedge funds have been cycling out of it. Sure. But I also know the street raised their price target to like back a lot of reputable analysts have raised their targets up to sub and right above 1000 which is a lot of movement still in that stock of another like 30%. So it's interesting, but that was why. They had their best revenue reporting ever. It's mainly from data centers. That's where they're getting their revenue from right now. Data center, AI is a part of the catalyst. That's what's that's what has the stock price so high is because people see the profitability from their chips and data centers right now and then they haven't even baked into. So it's getting ahead of itself. People are loading up on it for that. But they've set the bar for themselves now. This is their first... That was their first quarter reporting a very serious revenue number. And they're going to be expected to continue to report numbers at or higher than that moving forward and to continue to give good guidance, which they did. The biggest pain that'll be coming for NVIDIA in the future is at some point they will miss earnings or miss revenues or miss guidance or give bad guidance. And that will be very negatively impactful to the stock price because people are so used to getting this Goldilocks unicorn story with them. Wow, they're beating. Wow, they're beating. Wow, they're beating. We saw in 2022 what that stock can do when it's down. And I think it was down maybe as high as over 40% in 2022. So you do you take the elevator up and the stairs down most of the time on the stock market. But sometimes things can feel like you go up and then you just fall off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And that's how those very high beta stocks can feel. Some cryptocurrencies can feel like that sometimes. Uh, but that's why you just don't get so overloaded and concentrated in one position and you're diversified. Sim- similar thing happened the other day with Palo Alto Networks, down 20% after hours. Yeah. It's recovered a good amount of that, hasn't recovered the full thing. But I knew that was going to be... Is a that good... the Nancy Pelosi effect of why it I came think, back? Right? I would, <laughs> Nancy say, Pelosi I would say... I wouldn't say that it... it Without even it being an opinion, it's factually that is now... It brought more attention to the stock. Oh, yeah. She... So for those Retail that traders aware, are insane. Yeah, retail... That's not a bad buy. I'm just saying that's the new thing that cannot be discounted that's never has ever been modeled in by fund managers is how... Because it wasn't... Who's going to model in, oh, Nancy Pelosi goes and buys 1.25 million in call options on Palo Alto Networks. Can't. And this was also a trade that took place while Congress was in session. And then all of a sudden... But her husband did it. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry. It was arm's length. Her husband did it. But obviously, when you got people like that, whether it's Trump tweeting with his level of influence, now people notoriously follow Nancy Pelosi for her quote-unquote potential insider trading (laughs) insights and some of the stances she's taking. So now all of a sudden, there's this influence around the moves that she makes and the Nancy Pelosi stock tracker. So those are things that you can't account for, you know, that kind of stuff. And yet... And she's got a high success rate, which is bad, but good. Good that somebody... Good if you're following her. Yeah. We, We do not. But a lot of the things that we buy... The nice thing is, we already owned Palo Alto Networks. And bought them at a much lower price than she did. We're in the sub 150s. Fucking track me, Nancy. But we do well too, just we don't have insider trading. And the thing that's so wild to me, 
I have clients that work in positions at certain companies, get stocks issued to them, and literally are monitored like a hawk and cannot sell their stock, or I can't even sell the stock, unless it's during certain times of the year. I have like, I think probably 14 or 15 people that meet that metric. And these aren't people that are like, of they're very important people. I'm not trying to downplay who these people are, but they're not people of like, they're not board members. Mm -hmm. They're not 5% owners or shareholders of a company. They don't have direct ownership in a stock trading company. And they're being treated like that. Yet we have a politician who sits in a room, makes policy, which I would argue is even better than insider info. You are making the rules that govern how this works. And they're allowed to trade on that. Not allowed to, but it's pretty obvious to anybody. It's a out of sight, out of mind type deal. Mm -hmm. Has there been any traction on, was it Ro Khanna who brought that to the floor? I think that bill is still floating out there and is probably getting kicked kicked around and kicked around. But yeah, that needs to happen. I don't think that there's nothing wrong with buying ETFs. You can make great returns on ETFs. You can even make daily returns double or triple the market by buying leveraged ETFs. You just should not be able to trade individual names because they get too much of the upside effect when the market does do well. And so I just don't think that's fair to A, your constituents, or B, your professional traders and retail traders alike. You're getting information that sometimes we get as professional traders that we're not allowed to act on and we're scrutinized for. And retail traders don't have an opportunity to act on. So it's just not fair. Yeah, it was interesting. Even you got people like Mr. Beast just posted to his 28 million followers. He doesn't understand how politicians are able to be making trades. And he's even going on talking about how we should just pay them more to provide better compensation, but remove that part. Like it was interesting to see whether he has any financial savviness or backing and merit to come into that space. When you got people of that level of influence and attention that are questioning these kind of things, all it's doing is those walls, I think, are closing in on on that issue. Shout out to him for bringing attention to it on his platform. And I would say in an appropriate way. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that we need to pay politicians more But I also think that, sure, could there be compensation that's higher or benefits? Maybe the better thing instead of paying them in in direct compensation would maybe be having like a really good pension for certain, Mm -hmm. like a a federal private pension that, hey, I was at this level of government, so that qualifies me for a very substantial monthly retirement. And so you're then benefited in the back end for tenure and good service. And you maybe get that only if you meet, if you meet certain metrics. That way, there was a checks and balance. Mm-hmm. You still can be very wealthy, but you're going to do it on the right terms. That's way more fair. And oh my gosh, what a shocker. That's what almost every other federal employee is held to. Right. They have their federal pension. They have to work a certain amount of years. It's based on their highest year of compensation. And then if once they do that, they get that. And maybe they have a thrift savings plan to go along with it. So I just don't get... Again, I agree. Why are your constituents held to something that you don't believe that you should be held to? And that's the old saying. What is for for thee is not for me. Yeah. I saw this post the other day that kind of makes me think a little bit along the lines of why some of the things are the way they are. 
It said, 1% of the population controls the world. 4% of the population are their puppets. 90% of the population are zombies. And the remaining 5% are trying to wake up the zombies. The 1% makes sure that the 4% stops the 5% from waking up the 90%. Makes me think of one of those things, right? Of, hey, those 4% that are the puppets of the 1% who control the world, that's their little carrot that, oh yeah, you can play in this world and make your money and do this and that. Mm -hmm. But for everybody else, no, no. But you guys can. Don't worry about it. We we got you. We'll protect you as long as you go and push our agenda, though. Agreed. Yeah. Well, as long as you follow our rules and are do it our way and, and what we say and how we say it, then you can go ahead and be profitable. Like you said, though, those checks and balances, that shit's not flying anymore. And I think more yeah. and more people, it's hard to hide that kind of behavior anymore with the world that we live in, the technology we have accessible to us, right? Just... It started as a joke, too. But now, like, people are like, what the fuck? This is not a joke. It's real. Yeah. It's yeah. real. Like Nancy Pelosi is making millions with an S of dollars a year off of information. And again, I want to say this and be very transparent. There are Republicans that are doing oh, all sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes she's the worst. A lot of the time she's not. She definitely wasn't last year, but she's in the top. And that and all of those people, if you go regardless on a, of political party, need to not do that. Yeah. If you're consistently beating the stock market. Not by like percentages that we beat it by, by 50 to 60%. You are doing something that cannot be replicated by professional money managers, and you're a politician. You have to, that's common sense, man. Rub two fucking brain cells together. It doesn't take a lot to connect the dots. There's clearly fraud. 100%. Just looking at, I love unusual wells and the work that they do. And you look at this chart of, the full report on politicians trading in 2023, like every year since 2020, U.S. politicians beat the market. I wonder how that's possible. And many of these individuals are in Congress and they make very unusually timed trades resulting in massive gains. When you start, like you said, connecting the dots, rubbing those brain cells together. You look at this list though, it's blue and red all the way down. It's not one more weighted to the Republican. Yes. Look at this. One, two, three, four. Is that five or six? Five. Five people who... Pro and maybe a couple of the people above them are likely not. But when you have levels of beating the market... And I say this with knowing we have a portfolio at my company that net of fees did over 100%. That's possible. But we lost... We also lost a shitload of money in that type of setup when the market went down. Yeah. You can't just win and not have any attrition on your wins. Yeah, year it over year, if you're winning 60 to 200 plus percent every... That's not... It's just it's statistically, <laughs> just statistics. It's not possible. Yeah. Almost like... I want to know who the hell is Brian Higgins? That Democrat, 238% returns. Gang. And then you got the next three people or three, three Republicans doing the same thing, right? So I think it's just... Again, people just want fairness, uh, whether it's yeah. in the elections, doesn't matter whether it's in our stock market, yeah. whether it's in your business. And the best part is when everybody, fairness. when everybody plays fair, follows the rules, then you can weed out the bad people because it's pretty obvious who they are. Yeah. But when everybody acts like they're playing by the same set of rules and acts like what they're doing is fair and acts like this and acts like that, we don't have transparency. And that's, again, term limits, no trading individual stocks, your family members can't trade individual stocks, your kids... That should be implemented. Yeah. And if you don't want that implemented, no problem. 
go and trade individual stocks and be a, be a day trader. Yep. From your opinion, which sectors are showing the most promise for growth going forward? And I want to preface it with, obviously, the most growth that we saw from, let's say, 20 to 22 was all tech, right? Tech is still going to be probably number one. Tech went crazy, though. And then it saw some retraction a little bit. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, AI became the boom, Mm -hmm. which... According to Apollo, has said the AI bubble is bigger than the tech bubble of the 1990s. Do you agree with that? I don't think it's a bubble because the companies are reporting profits, and we're pretty deep into this said bubble. We're years in, even on the AI front, though. Yeah, with how frothy it got over the last 12 months. Yeah, because the companies, the difference between the tech, the tech boom we're in right now, in my opinion, and the dot com bust is the internet had not existed. Let's just make sure we're being clear. So the internet of things did not exist. So you have all these companies trying to get into the internet of things. And a lot of them did good. Netscape and all this other stuff. But a lot of them went defunct. Now, we have major players that are already consumer staples. Microsoft is not going anywhere. Apple is not going anywhere. NVIDIA could lose a lot of market cap, but likely won't go anywhere. IBM is not... So I don't need to go on. These are not brand new names to the market getting involved. And these are established companies with market caps well over $800, $900 billion, some north of $2 trillion. So it's a different different game. It's like an MLB game versus a a rookie ball. And there's some people in rookie ball that are going to make it to the big leagues, but very few. Yeah. Versus... Two teams with a full set of rosters make it to the World Series every year with the best players in the world. True. Somebody will still ultimately win, but those teams will come back again and play next year and just innovate. And I think that's the game that we're in more so than in the rookie ball field. I don't think we're trying to figure out, can these players perform at something we don't know that they can perform at? I think it's, these players are going to figure out how to perform and we're going to figure out which players are going to perform the way we like the best. But Apple is probably going to have something with their vision. And I guarantee you, Microsoft is going to try to implement it into their search and to try to take more market share from Google. And Google is obviously going to do that with their AI assistant, Bard. But it's all this space of established companies. Mm -hmm. So they have a vertical to integrate it in to make profitability. And you'll see them lean towards the stuff that's most profitable. But it's going to be for Google. How can I get more relevant ads in front of people? Um, Facebook, how can I get more... Uh, data to sell leads because that's what Facebook does right now. They sell a lot of their data for leads. How can I do? Uh, how can restaurants leverage our information to figure out who wants to re- reserve at certain time? That's where I think it's going to go. And again, it's with already established companies that already make money in multiple other verticals. So they don't have the risk of the dot com bust. That's the fallacy of using the past. Yeah, as a, as an indicator of what will happen in the future, instead of saying this happened in the past, does this line up? No. Yes, the the, the companies are are moving up at a at a break speed, but they're a different again rookie ball versus major league baseball. Just because you lose in major leagues doesn't mean you're out. And you're you're back next year to play for the World Series. And to provide a little bit more context, the the chief economist at Apollo Global Management who who said that it was an AI bubble bigger than the tech bubble of the 1990s, his exact quote was, the top 10 companies in the S&P 500 today 
are more overvalued than the top 10 companies were during the tech bubble in the mid-1990s. I don't know if, if I would... I don't know if the data lines up with that technically, and I mean that if I don't, I mean that literally. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to speak to it just because intrinsically, I know for a fact that's not true. I know that nobody cared about Netscape or some of the other dot com companies because I would beg you to tell me them. Twenty four years ago, what are they? Yeah, I don't know, but I know damn Google IPO in '04, Amazon I believe in '98. Apple in 96, I think. Sorry if those are wrong dates, but sometime around there. They're pretty relevant still mm-hmm. through the dot-com bust and now. I, don't, I just don't know if you can compare an apple and an mm-hmm. orange, even if they're fruit. Now, talking about the strength and health of the market overall, though, the recession forecasts continue to drop more and yeah. more. Yep. Dropping to 40% on US job growth expectations per Bloomberg this week. Seems like overall, we're seeing the economy be pretty damn resilient when you see credit card and auto loan debt defaults being at the highest since the Great Recession. It just seems like there's so much conflicting data. And yet, the overall health of the economy and now a lot of the stances that many people are taking around this recession talk is seeming pretty aligned. Yeah. And the sentiment that it's it's not going to unravel or be as turbulent as many people thought it was. Yeah, and the thing that sucks about that a bit is that could mean rates higher for longer, probably through early spring into May and likely June now. What are your thoughts on, are we, now that we've already kicked it back to mid-year, and depending on what data comes in, and if it's good, that's technically bad for rates getting dropped, will we see six cuts like they said it? No, if last it, year. If it's good, it depends on what good we're talking about. If it's CPI continuing to go lower or not coming in moderate or not in line, like we had the last uh, couple meetings. And the nice thing is we have real data right now that shows that once that data reports, it's going to be like that. But I'm thinking that it doesn't really make it much, much of a difference, even if the ball is kicked back, because four ish price cuts are already priced into the market. And it's going to happen. Again, it's for now to the point is when is it going to happen? Not is it going to happen? Consensus is it is going to happen. It's just when. It's more and more now looking like it at earliest would be May and probably will be June because that will give the most amount of time for the most amount of data to come in. And they probably, again, will announce at the meeting prior to when it's going to be cut they're likely going to cut at the next meeting so they can give the market time to open, see how that works, see if it shoots up too much, see if they need to hold. That's likely what they'll do. I'm still in the camp with the majority of people now that there's going to be cuts this year. Yeah, I would be of that same sentiment. I'm still TBD on how many I think they're going to do and how aggressive. At least four and up to six. Or they'll do smaller quantity of cuts at higher numbers. At more aggressive. Yeah. yeah. More aggressive. And, and that's the that's where I keep sit telling people that the longer they wait, the bigger the cuts have to be when they do cut them. And so I think that cutting them sooner again would be better because it, it would let them ease off the gas pedal versus taking huge chunks off. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me 
in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. So as a retail investor, what should people be considering or thinking about doing right now to position themselves for that actually happening? If that does happen, historically cutting of rates, not to zero, but to areas that were still profitable and allowed money supply to flow would probably make a lot of money for financial companies. So I would expect that the financial sector would probably do well. Healthcare will likely do well. And tech will likely do well. So I think those are the sectors, and I know that we have exposure to all those, but I definitely know that financials has still been a laggard to the economy as a whole and definitely tech, but very good balance sheets. It's almost like when is when are people going to give up and start buying them? These co companies are trading at really good PEs, really good book to price uh, ratios, and they're paying really nice dividends, 3 to 4 to 5% with a CAGR, a compound annual growth rate on some of these dividends of 4 to... 10%. Mm. So it's a good it's a good time to be an equity investor. Domestic equity, in my opinion, is always going to outperform international. And we have uh, exposure right now mainly to the market as a whole core, but we're overweight tech, uh, excuse me, equal weight tech, overweight financials and overweight, I believe, uh, healthcare right now. What is the worst thing somebody could do right now as an investor? Sell and try to time the market. Always the worst thing to do is try to take the market. Just is not something you should do. We trade again, but we're not trying to trade because the market's up or down. That's irrelevant. It's where's the market? Positioning for the long term. For, yeah, or what's going to happen in the next three to four months or something like that, trying to capture uh, some potential growth. So we don't sell to avoid loss. We sell to reposition because where the market is and where it could be going. What kind of conversations should investors be having with their? financial team or their advisor at times like right now? It's tough to know because everybody's situation's a little bit different. I know what we're talking to our clients about uh, when we're talking to them is allocation, fees, how we think the market's going to perform long-term given what the setup has been so far this year. And if certain things happen, what we would likely do in those scenarios. So that's hopefully what uh, people are going over with their advisor if they have one. And if you guys haven't connected with 
your advisor, you're not happy with your advisor, or you just want a second set of eyes and a look on what it is that you're doing, Ryan and his amazing team, for all of our Million of Mindcast listeners, you can connect with them. They'll build you out an entire comprehensive investment plan in conjunction with what you already have and show you what they think you can do better. They'll affirm what they think you're already crushing it at. They'll say, don't change anything. At least spotlight. I think the biggest thing that you normally see is people getting way over feed. Yeah, just more fees than they think. Because there's... Depending on your advisor's licensing and setup and how they are... Who they're working for and how they're contracted with them, it'll depend on their fees. So it's easy for us to see because we know where to look. But it's that old thing. You just don't know what you don't know. So we just have a third party affirm everything. Through. So if you guys want to connect with Ryan and his team, easiest way to do that, text the word X-Ray to 844-447-1555. That'll immediately connect you with Ryan and they will do some great work for you for absolutely nothing just yep. to bring value to our Million of Mindcast family. That being said, I saw Senator Ted Cruz and other Republican lawmakers have introduced legislation aimed at banning a central bank digital currency in the US. Is that going to be something we see in 2024? Probably. And I would say that's going to get... If that hits the floor, I think there's already been other versions of that have been voted on. And I think that's probably... Just it's a very big on privacy. Mm. The federal government already knows the majority of what we spend just from credit cards, bank trails, anti-moneying laws, Bank Secrecy Act, all that kind of stuff. So I just don't know if they need... We need to have another level of all of our purchases being tracked. That That leaves a level of exposure that I don't think is safe because if that was hacked, it's very personal data and data that can be acted upon to to infiltrate people when it could be used for not so good. So I, I don't think central banking digital currency is is a good thing. And I think that the system we have now could be improved, but it works as is. That's what we got for you guys on today's show. Be sure to tune in next week. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on. It's how we continue to connect with more amazing listeners like you guys and add any ounce of value that we possibly can to help equip you on your wealth building journey to at least just be plugged in, tapped into the right conversations, have the right team around you, have the right resources. Those are absolutely critical when it comes to pouring the right foundation and scaling off of that foundation to build something worthwhile. Thank you for tuning in each and every week. Don't forget to subscribe if you're not subscribed yet. Check out millionermindcast.com for all the great tools, resources, and things we have available in the store for you guys. And again, if you want to connect with Ryan and his team, x-ray to 844-447-1555. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Cheers, guys. Cheers, y'all. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're going to get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out is most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective, or really in most cases, overcharged, and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's x-ray 
One word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out. And last, don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at millionairemindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level. We've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at millionairemindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends. Cheers.